have. So <laughs> that would be good. Am I holding this close enough? Cool. Cool. So, yep, um, the title of my sermon, sorry, we have no PowerPoint today, but the title of my sermon is uh, Growing in Integrity. And uh, this has been something, a topic uh, that has been just really, just kind of a big one to me, very important to me for the past few years, especially as I've been going to college, um, just living like an authentic Christian life. Thank you. And, uh, and as that's been happening... Uh, th- there's been there's been a person in the Bible that has really just stuck out to me, and I've just I've just I've read through his life multiple times, just wanting to learn from him. And and one day I was on the plane coming home from college, and I was just thinking, you know, why why is this guy so uh, just such a guy of integrity? He was just such a guy of integrity, and the person is Daniel. Um, from the Old Testament. And, uh, and I read through his life, and there were three things that just stuck out to me as I was reading through his life. And those are going to be like my main points for the topics today. But before I go into that, I'd like to uh, just go through a little bit of his background. So Daniel was a young Jewish man uh, in Jerusalem when the Babylonian Empire invaded. And he was taken captive and taken off to, to Babylon. And uh, then he was given a Babylonian name, Belshazzar, which actually is a name that basically it honors uh, the chief god of Babylon, Bel, instead of Yahweh, uh, the god of Israel, which is what his other name honored. Then he was trained in the Babylonian culture. Should I be holding this closer? No, right here. Okay. Um, Okay. So I'll be here. Okay. Yep, he was, he was trained in Babylonian language, culture, and served in the Babylonian court as a wise man and was put in charge of the wise men and became a ruler of Babylon when he was promoted. And so basically he was inundated with a, with a pagan culture. But through all of that time, he stayed faithful to God. And that, that was really impactful to me. And I think we can learn a lot from that in today's... I'm sorry, is this microphone Okay. Okay, in uh, in today's world as well, because our world in our world, there are also times where the culture we're in doesn't necessarily encourage um, godly living and living with integrity. However, just like in Daniel's culture, it's important for us to do so, just like Daniel did. And so, hold it a little further down, and then stop buzzing like this. Well, that would be in my mouth. Okay. Right here? It's buzzing and popping. It's annoying. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, but right before I jump into those points, I wanted to go over a few, a few reasons why this is important. Because it's, it's hard to go for something when you don't know if it's important or you don't know why it's important. So I wanted to touch on that first. Um, the first reason is because it pleases God. When we live a life of integrity and we're following after God with all of our hearts just authentically, not just like when people are watching or stuff like that, that really pleases God. And when you love God, you want to please Him. You know? Just like when you love a person in your life, you're going to want to please that person. That's just kind of what you do. And, uh... 
And yeah, John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my command. So if you love God, naturally what's going to flow out of that is that you're going to want to obey Him. You're going to want to please Him. He's your Father. You love Him. And the second reason, if I can get this behind, on the ground. Okay. And the second reason is it witnesses to others. Philippians 2, 14 through the first part of 16 says, Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked, depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. So, shine like stars in the universe, it sounds a little tricky, but basically, you're, you're light in the world. You're light in the world. People are... People are uh, basically seeing that you're living a godly, authentic life. And it reaches out to them. So, now I'm just going to jump into the three points. Okay, so my fir- the first thing that I really wanted to point out in Daniel's life was that he spent time with God. That was something he did daily. And where you find this is in Daniel 6, 10 through 11. Um, just a little background to that scripture. Um, at this point, Daniel is older, and the Medo-Persian Empire has taken over the Babylonian, uh, Babylon. And uh, so he's serving under King Darius, uh, who was a Mede. And uh, basically, he was one of three administrators that were really high up in the kingdom. And he was doing such a good job, he was so faithful, and he was just basically showing himself to be basically a better administrator than all the others, that the king, uh, King Darius decided, I want to promote this guy. So he was going to put him above all the administrators and all the satraps and all those uh, high up people. And they were not too pleased. And so they went and tried to find a way that they could get him charged with something. Anything in government affairs that he's done wrong. But all their searching turned up nil. They couldn't find anything. So instead, they had to do something using his religion against him. So using his service to God against him. And they made a plan and went to King Darius. And told him, you know, long live the king, live forever. By the way, we think everybody should pray for you, to you only. No deity, no person for the next 30 days. And if anyone does, they'll be fined. No, I'm just kidding. They'd be thrown in a lion's den. It's a, it's, a little, it's a little more severe. And King Darius, being the humble guy that he is, said, yeah, I thought it was great. So he went along with it. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, then Daniel found out about it. And that's where this comes in. Daniel... 6, 10 through 11. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his, to his upstairs room where the windows were opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then, then these men went as a group and found Daniel, praying and asking God for help. So, there's a few things you can take from that, but the main thing that I noticed there was said just as he had done before. He prayed three times a day. That was, that was a usual thing in his life, was spending time with God three times a day, just thanking God. And so, I, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I was like, wow, you know, that probably 
played a large role in the reason he was such a man of integrity that really followed God. And even in this instance, you see his you see his faithfulness to God just pouring through because instead of deciding not to pray for 30 days and just say, let's play this safe, he decided, I'm going to pray anyways. And in the end, uh, he got caught. And because the, uh, the Persian law was when a king signs something like that, he can't take it back. Even though the king didn't want to throw him into a lion's den, he had to, so he threw him in a lion's den. And uh, But God basically kept him safe the entire time he was in there and he was let out the next day and then yeah it was great and then then all the other guys got thrown into the lion's den so this was this was a good boss you just really wanted to be on his good side so so yeah and then another person that i think is a great example is jesus so i looked at his life too um and, what, and some of the things from Jesus' life is that he implemented it as well. And that is found in Luke five fifteen through 16. The one scripture verse that I did not have marked, so I'll have to go there. Okay. Okay. It says, Yet the news about him, Jesus, spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So you've got Jesus, who's really busy in this ministry, uh, just all the time, basically. And even still, he still takes time purposefully to draw back and pray. To just pray. And another thing I noticed about Jesus' life is that he also encouraged other people to do so. In Luke 11, 1 through 4, he taught his disciples how to pray. And, but the main one that I wanted to get to is found in Mark 14, 32 through 38. At this point, Jesus is just about to be crucified. It's the night before he's going to be crucified, and they went over to Gethsemane. And uh, this is his interaction with his disciples there. I'll just read through it. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And so that was, that was a very interesting statement. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And at that point, the temptation would be for Peter to basically run away because Jesus was about to be arrested. Um, but... Uh, but I think that's something that we can apply to our lives as well, just every day, you know. When we're going through temptations and stuff that's, that's really, we, we know is against God's will, pray. It works. At least the Bible says it does. So, um, <laughs> And 
Yeah, so that brings me to my second point, and that was Daniel relied on God. And where you can find this is Daniel 2, 14 through 19. But I'll give a little background on that before we jump on in. Um, at this point, Daniel, it's earlier on in Daniel's life, so he's serving under King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians. And Nebuchadnezzar, he's a little like Darius, where he's, he, can be, he can be a rough boss. So, uh, basically, the, uh, he had a dream that really troubled him, and he wanted it interpreted. So he called together the astrologers, the magicians, all the people that are supposed to be able to interpret dreams, and he told them, okay, you've got to interpret this dream. And then he added a little side note, I'm not going to tell you what it was. So you've got to figure out what it was, and then you've got to interpret the dream. They said they couldn't do it. So he restrained himself, used some self-control, and he ordered basically all the wise men killed throughout Babylon. So, <laughs> come on. Good guy. He's a really good guy. Unfortunately, one of those wise men were Daniel. And uh, when Daniel figured out what had happened, he, uh, he basically went to the Lord and prayed. And so I'll just read over that. Uh, Daniel 2, 14 through 19. And Nebuchadnezzar... Yeah, that is, that is the correct one. Okay. No, that is not. That is why it looks so bad. That was 314. I was like, okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this just does not sound right. Okay. Um, 2, 14 through 19. There we go. We got the 2 in there. That's good. So, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone to put to death the, the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, Why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. And so what I wanted to bring out there was Daniel ran into a pretty much impossible circumstance. There was no way that he could figure out what Nebuchadnezzar's dream was. There was no way that he could really interpret it either on his own with any amount of certainty. But he went to God. He found himself in a, in a circumstance that was too much for him. All of his dedication to hard work, all of his desire to do things well, as you see throughout his life, he, just, he did a great job in every position that the kings seemed to put him in. But he couldn't do this. This is something that was completely out of his ability. But he relied on God, and God delivered him. Amen. And so... Uh, I also wanted to, to kind of like reinforce this, is touch on some of the things Paul said. Um, Paul was a guy who was kind of an early missionary in the church. Basically, soon after Jesus died, you read about him in the book of Acts all over the place. And uh, he found himself in a lot of predicaments where he could have easily died. But, uh, but this is what he said in 2 Corinthians 1, 8-10. 
We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffer in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, our hearts, indeed in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might, might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. And so you see that reliance on God in that missionary's life. And he was a guy who would go to places where they'd just want to kill him. He got stoned multiple times. He's been shipwrecked. He's been flogged, imprisoned. So he went to a lot of rough places where the message he was bringing was not accepted. But he relied on God. And God really brought him through a lot of stuff and really spread the gospel. And uh, I also wanted to touch on just a couple places where in our lives it's important to rely on God that the Bible like specifies. And the first one is in times of anxiety. An example of this would be yesterday when I was preparing for this message. <laughs> it's kind of true. <laughs> and uh, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when hard circumstances are coming about in your life, you're not supposed to be anxious about it. You're supposed to present it to God. So pray about it. Certainly pray about it. And present it to God. And then the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And then the second place is walking with integrity. Relying on God while we try to walk with integrity. And it says in 2 Corinthians 1.12. Now this, this is Paul again. This is him writing to the Corinthian church. Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in, relations, in relations with you in the, in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. We have done so not according to worldly wisdom, but according to God's grace. So they conducted themselves well in integrity according to God's grace, with God's grace, through God's grace. And so that's something that I think is important for us to take from. You know, when we want to live a Christian life of integrity and, and just consistency, you know, rely on God. You know, rely on His grace. And uh, He will empower you. He'll empower you to overcome. Which is very important. Because it's not easy. A lot of times. Wonderful. Okay. Oh, and then I just had to include this because it was awesome. So, this is... I'll just read the introduction here. Eleanor, Eleanor Turnbell, a veteran missionary to Haiti, collected and translated the prayers of Christians who lived in the mountains of Haiti. These profound and childlike prayers are recorded in the, in the book, God is No Stranger. And I picked one of them. It says, Lord, do not let us put our load of trouble in a basket on our head. Help us to put them on Jesus' head. Then we won't have headaches. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, I got to use that one. That was pretty grand. Okay. And I was about to turn the page too soon because I'm not done with this one. 
So, and then that brings me to my third point. Daniel gave the glory to God. And so, I think this one is just really important because a lot of times you see people, they're going the right way. They got it. Especially in sports. And then they get really proud. And then comes the tumble. And so I think with when we're going after God and we want to live a life of integrity, if you start accepting pride into your life, you can quickly fall down on the other side. And uh, so I'll just read where Daniel had an encounter with this, but he handled it rightly. And that's found in Daniel 2, 24 through 28. And this is basically right after what I shared earlier. He, he's coming to King Nebuchadnezzar with the interpretation at this point. And I'll read it from the right chapter this time. Okay. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once, and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah, who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man. No enchanter, a magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. And he explained them. But immediately where he caught it, and where I think he just really took the right step, was he immediately started saying, no, none of these people can do it. And basically, he couldn't do it either, but there is a God. And he immediately shifted that glory over to God that belonged to God. Because it was God who could do it. It was God who showed him what the dream was and what its interpretation was. And he praised God for it. And so that is something that I think is so important. Unfortunately, like pride, it's, it's a little complex because it's just so easy to fall into it. Like even what's funny is when you become prideful because you feel like you're so humble. That's you're like you're like proud of being humble. Like I'm so humble, it's great. It's like Dan, okay. So my friend Dan uh, Dan Dorsey, he used to always quote this thing. It was it was just so funny. Because we, we, we cleaned the church together. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a custodial worker. Custodial work is a humble job. But I'm a humble guy. The most humble I know. <laughs> I just, I loved that. That was great. And so, so yeah. <laughs> and Proverbs also talks a lot about pride. And um, what I like about it is it's, it's so frank. It's like, it just doesn't beat around the bush. It's like, by the way, do this, you're dead. It's like, oh, okay, that's good to know. And so, and so it says in Proverbs sixteen eighteen, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So if you're, if you're proud, you're, just, you're headed down the wrong road. Things are going to go bad fast. Things can go bad so easily when you accept pride into your life and let it brew. And then it says in Proverbs twenty nine twenty three. 
A man's pride brings him low. But a man of lowly spirit gains honor. Lowly spirit being like humility. Not necessarily that you're always like, you know, constantly getting down on yourself, discouraged. It's humility. And Proverbs 11.2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. And that is definitely something that marked Daniel's life was wisdom. Yeah. He, he was a very wise guy. Even his employment, like where he was... Where he worked, he worked as a wise man, and then he was promoted to being the chief over all the wise men, and then he was basically also promoted to be over the province of Babylon. So for the Babylonian Empire, that's an important province, and uh, and then when the Persian Empire took over, one of the top three administrators over all the satraps, so over all the people that are like governing small stuff, Daniel is one of the three people that they would answer to. And then he was doing such a great job with that that uh, the Persian king, or Darius, he was actually a Mede, decided that he wanted to promote him again to be over the, advi- to be over the uh, administrators. And so you see that Daniel's life was definitely marked with certainly excellence, but also there had to have been a lot of wisdom there for him to be getting promoted all the time in those jobs. And uh, I could ramble for a while here because this is actually kind of fun. But I think I may just bring it to an early conclusion. But I'm going to recap on the points. So the point number one is Daniel spent time with God and I think that that is so important for us to do. That is just so important for us to do. We should be spending time daily with God. The second point, Daniel relied on God. That is also very important to do. When you get in hard circumstances, a lot of times it makes it so much harder to act with integrity if you don't trust God. And so when you trust God, it puts up a barrier there where it's, the fear is not going to drive you to do something wrong. If, if Daniel did not rely on God and he did not trust on God, this is just an observation on my part. It doesn't say this specifically in Scripture. But I wonder if he would have prayed when Darius issued that decree. And you read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're in the book of Daniel as well. They're actually thrown into a furnace um, because they would not bow down to a statue that the king of Babylon had made. And, uh, but they chose not to bow down to it and said, The Lord our God will rescue us, but even if he didn't, we wouldn't bow down to it anyways. And so you see that faith and that trust in God right there with them too, as they did what was right. And so that is a point that I know my life has been a harder one for me because if I can do it myself, I'm like, hey, you know, I'll just pour myself into it, I'll get it done. But if I can't do it myself, I get really nervous. But I need to learn to rely on God. And the third one was Daniel gave the glory to God. Also very, just so important. I mean, people have taken such big falls because they didn't give the glory to God. You read through scripture, there was a story I was thinking about including. I ended up not doing it because of time. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, there was even a king in the Bible who got leprosy because he was getting proud and then did the job that only a priest is supposed to do. He stepped outside of what he was supposed to be doing. And, uh, and yeah, he got cooked pretty hard for that one. 
But uh, but yeah, these are basically the three things that that I think we should really take from Daniel's life today that I think will also help us walk in integrity through our lives. Because it's very important for us to do that now too, just like it was important for Daniel then. So it translates over quite well. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm done. Like...